This message was recorded live at Elevate Church in Erie, Pennsylvania. As followers of Christ, we follow a God who was crucified, dead, buried, got up, walked out of the tomb, demonstrating that there's nothing that you and I can't walk out of. He doesn't love me based on my performance. God loves me based on my position. It matters so much that we imitate Christ and we live out those principles. There's nothing that you could do. There's there's no great sin that you could have ever committed that would be a barrier between you and Jesus. To learn more about Elevate, how you can get connected, or how you can support the work that Elevate is doing in Erie, visit elevateerie.tv. So you're probably trying to figure out what the heck is that about? Well, here's a little bit of what it's about. We launched a weather balloon up to over 100,000 feet, and it's all for the sake of, well, actually, we just wanted to do it because it's awesome, right? That's the first reason. Uh, The second reason is it's part of this series that we're starting in December, and the reason why we're talking about it now is because today is a precursor to that. Today, I'm hoping to set kind of the tone, the momentum for where it is that we want to go. So what would it be like? I mean, when God looks down, say at 100,000 plus feet on the city of Erie, on on this church, on the surrounding cities, like what is it that that he sees? Because we want to be about what it is God wants us to be about. We want to never stop searching, never stop running, never stop reaching until Jesus runs this town. So over the next uh, few weeks, starting in December, we're really gonna set the tone and, and dream big together on what that looks like for this church. Now we're gonna dream big because here's what I believe. The size of your dream should be directly proportionate to the size of your God, and we got a big God that we serve. But we're also going to keep it simple because that's what we do around here. We like to keep things simple. In fact, we say that we're really only about four things. We want you to know God. Like that's the the first and foremost thing we want you to do. We want you to have a personal relationship with him. That's not about coming to church. That's not about religion, right? That's about a personal relationship with him. You start there. And once you know God, we want you to start to kind of kind of get past some of those issues that we all have, those things that we're dealing with, those things that we're overcoming, and we call it finding freedom. And one of the best ways you can do that in this church is through a small group. We have over 30 small groups meeting throughout the city in different areas. Man, you should get connected in a small group. It's where you you grow, it's where you get discipled, and it's really one of the best environments. You know, I hate to say it, but life change really happens in that setting. It doesn't happen necessarily in this big room. It hurts my feelings to say that, but it's true. And then you start to really have fun with it. And what's next in that line is is really kind of discovering why it is that you're here. We say there's two great days in your life. The day you were born, that's a good day, right? You're glad you were born. But the second great day is the day you've discovered the reason why you were born. Like why it is that you were created, what what it is that God wants you to do, how how you want to make a difference on this earth. So ultimately, you can do the final thing we say around here, and that is make a difference. Make a difference. That you were created on purpose with a purpose. Every single one of you were created in such a way that you need to leave your mark on this earth long after you're gone. 
or you're never gonna be fulfilled. You're never gonna live the life that you are intended to live. And so that series that we're kicking off is really just a vision series. We're gonna dream big. It's gonna be awesome. I can't wait to do that with you. And again, today my goal is just to help get us moving in the right direction because I believe that God wants to accomplish great things through his church. I believe that the church really is the hope of the world and that God uses the church as a vehicle to, to help the hurting in our city, to, to heal the brokenness and really to, to set people captives free. And we commit as Elevate Church to being a part of that, but also to staying on point and on purpose. That's what we're talking about today, on point and on purpose. And we're gonna let this drive our time. Psalm 112 says this, good will come to him who is generous and lends freely. In other words, so I'm not gonna keep everything to myself. I'm not gonna hold on to stuff. I'm gonna learn to live my life in such a way that I'm generous, that I want to, to give freely. And who conducts his affairs in a, in a certain way. In other words, I'm gonna live my life on purpose with justice and watch what happens when you do. Surely that person will never be shaken. Now, hold up, come on, Kolb. Like that's what some of my kids call me sometimes. They call me Kolb. I got like a six-year-old park. He calls me Kolb. He doesn't always call me dad. He calls me Kolb. Hey, Kolb, come here. So I know you need to know that. But you might be saying, now come on, Kolb. You know, are you meaning to tell me that you can give me a formula that, that, that allows me to live my life in such a way that I'll never be shaken? That's exactly what I'm saying. Now, I can't keep the shaking from happening around you, but I can tell you how to live your life in such a way that you won't be shaken along with it. And here's why, because if you don't define what your life is all about, guess what? Your problems will define it for you. If you don't define why it is that you're on this earth, that you're gonna live on point and on purpose, I promise you this earth is going to define it for you, telling you. The Bible says where there's no vision, people perish. Where there's no revelation you know, of God, people just kind of wander through life aimlessly. And if you don't know your purpose on this planet, everything on this planet wants to define it for you or destroy you along the way. Then it says this, verse six, but a righteous man will be remembered forever, forever. In fact, if you wanna write this down, and we all know only the people that love Jesus take notes in church, so go ahead and you can do that tonight. I'll say it this way, God wants you to live your life in such a way that your life lives on. That God is okay with you living your life in such a way that you're remembered, that you leave a legacy for, for, for generations to come. You might say, Colby, well, how, how do I do that? How do I do that? Well, Psalm 112 tells us you do it by giving to something that outlives you. Like, I'm gonna find a place, I'm gonna find a church, I'm gonna find a cause. And by the way, it's not just about your money, that's a part of it but it's about your time, it's about your talent, it's about, about um, your, your abilities, your opportunities, your ideas, your skills, your efforts, like you all have stuff to give. We got stuff to offer and you need to give it in such a way where it lives on, where it's not all just consumed up on this earth, but where it shows up in heaven. And not just giving that way, but it says also he conducts his affairs with, with justice. In other words, I'm gonna live my life on point and on purpose. Now, trust me when I say this solves your problems. It really does. Like it doesn't solve them, make them go away, but what it does is now you have something bigger in your life than your problems. 
Some of you, like the world is messing you up. Relationships are messing you up. Families, finances, you have all this stuff messing you up. And the secret, the key is this. If you can find something that is bigger than your problems to live your life for, to give your life to, man, it'll solve those problems. We'll say it like, like this. You're not going to live on earth forever, so you might as well leave something that does. You're not gonna be on this planet forever, so leave something that does. Live your life in such a way that your life lives on. And I wanna show you how. Because it's not gonna surprise you that the Bible talks a lot about this over and over and over, how you and I should live our life in a way that makes a difference. That your life really is about this, living you know, on purpose and, and on point and all the extra stuff like vacations and, and gifts and holidays coming up and everybody scrambling, you know, here and there. That's all great, but that's just really what it is. It's the extra stuff because your life is on mission. Like this church is on mission. And here's why this is important. Part of my job as a pastor, in fact, the number one metaphor used for pastor in the Bible is shepherd. So part of my job is to help guide you, is to help guide us through life. And there are really two parts of your life. The first part is the part that's here and now. That's your life on earth. The second part of your life is the life spent in eternity. Now, most of what we talk about, honestly, is to help us here on earth. Most of what we talk about deals with our issues, deals with the things that we go through. But the reality is the vast majority of your life is not spent on earth. It's spent in eternity. Like this lifetime that we experience here is so short compared to eternity. So part of my job is to help prepare you for eternity. Like you're gonna stand before God one day. We sang that song, you know, I'll stand with arms high and heart, I'm gonna sing it for you right now. With arms high and heart abandoned, right? In awe of the one who gave it all. The reality is you and I are gonna have that moment where we're gonna stand before God. Romans 14.10 says it this way, that you're going to be tested when you do. It says, you then, why do you judge your brother or your sister? In other words, why are you so concerned about how they're living their life. Why don't you worry about yourself? Stop worrying about them. I got three little boys, like you guys know, and this is what I say like all the time, stop worrying about him, you know, worry about yourself. Any parents say that all the time? Man, killing me. Or why do you treat them with contempt? Like why do you think the way that you treat people doesn't matter? Why do you treat them with Contempt, for we will all stand before God's judgment seat. So you're gonna stand before God. You're gonna have your day in court. You're gonna have a you and God moment. And then the Bible quotes itself and it says, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will acknowledge who God is. Like there's gonna be this moment where everyone, everyone is gonna say, oh my gosh, Jesus was Lord. And like when that happens, you're gonna wanna make sure you're on the right side of that. You're gonna wanna make sure that, that you're on the right team when that goes down. So then each of us, watch this, will give an account of ourselves to God. So the question is, what does that look like? Like what, what does that whole day look like when that happens? What is this, this test 
that's going to go down. Today is going to be a little bit different, you guys. This is going to be a little more teachy than preachy. So I encourage you really to jot down some of this, this text, some of these scriptures, some of these points, so you can go back and read it for your, yourselves. But this is called the, we'll call it the two-question test. Actually, there's one, one test, two questions. How many of you would say that, that you're pretty smart, but you just don't test well? Raise your hand. Smart, don't test well? All right. How many of you would say, I'm dumb and I don't test well? Okay. Because that would be me. That's more like me. Um, you guys know I went to Asbury University in Kentucky. And at Asbury University, in order to graduate, and I shouldn't be telling you this, but this is what I do. You have to have a 2.0 to graduate. Your pastor graduated with a 2.0. I'm either the smartest man alive, right? Just doing enough to get by, or it's crazy. And I, I just, part of my problem was I didn't like going to class. Like, and that's, that is an issue. If you don't go to class, it's really hard to, to score very well. But I hated tests, and I hated multiple choice tests specifically because multiple choice tests were the worst. You go in and you read the question, and then letter A would be like, you'd read the answers like, that's it. That's awesome. A's got to be it. And then you read B, and it messes with your mind because it's like, well, no, B's right. Like, that's right. And then you read C, and you're like, wait, 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 wait a second. C looks good, and then D always says all of the above. And they all look good anyway, so I always choose D, whatever. It just is what it is. But my junior year at Asbury, and again, I shouldn't tell you guys this, but I, whatever. My friend and I decided that we were going to we found out that our lab professor set up the final exams, the lab exams, the night before, like, the test. So what we did was we decided we were going to break into the science building. Now don't tell your kids I did this, all right? Don't tell my kids I did this. We are going to break into the science building. And I was wrong and all that. But it really, it wasn't about a grade for me. It was about the challenge. Like, I'll see if I could do this. So we, we snuck into the building. We waited until the security guard left, and then we like broke our way into the lab, and this was the, the test, the final exam on like the parts of the frog. And so we went through like open book tests with our little camping pencil lights on, like, like, like section by section of this whole entire test. Like I had the answers to the test before the test. Tonight, I wanna give you the biggest gift ever. I'm gonna give you the answers to the two-question test before the test. That's, that's the goal. Like, I, we could just say, I snuck into the lab, I saw the dead frog lying there, and not only am I gonna tell you what's on the test, but I'm going to give you the answers. And I don't know what this whole day looks like when we stand before God. I don't know exactly what's going to be said, but I do know the content of what's going to be said undeniably. Undeniably, in fact, this is the first question that you're going to be asked. It's going to be something like this. What did you do with my son, Jesus? The first question you're going to be asked on that day is, what did you do with Jesus? God's going to say, I sent my son to this earth on a mission to reconcile God and man, to pay for your sins. So what did you do with that? I sent him to pay for your sins because all sins have to be paid for. So what did you do with my son? Because hell, I don't know if you guys realize this, hell's not a place where God sends people that he's mad at. It's not like, you know, I don't like you, you're going to hell. That's not how 
he operates. Hell is the place where people go to pay for their own sins, which is the most tragic thing in the world when they've already been paid for. They've already been paid for. All you have to do is receive that payment that Jesus made on the cross. God's gonna say, first question, I sent my son to earth on a mission to pay for your sins, and you know he gave his life for you. I just wanted you to give your life in return for him. What did you do with that? Like, what did you do with Jesus? And unfortunately, a lot of the answers aren't gonna be the right ones. Let's look at it. I'll show you a couple verses if you want the theology behind this. This is called the Great White Throne Judgment. It's found in Revelation 20. It describes it and it says this. Everyone's going to be there. Verse 11, then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small. In other words, everyone, everyone was there standing before the throne and the books were opened. So the first books that are open are the books that have everything that you've ever done recorded in those books. They were, they were opened. Another book was open though, which was the book of life. Now that's, that's the important one. That's the one that matters. The dead were judged according to what they had done in all the other books. Like you don't want that. You don't want to be judged based on what's recorded in the other books. You want to be judged based on what's recorded in the book, the Lamb's book of, of life. It's where Jesus erases all the other books and he writes your name in a new book based on what he did for you on the cross. Like, you really want that. You really want that. It, it might be something like, you know, they're, they're looking through the books and it's like, I can't find anything for Colby in all these books. And they'll say, well, that's because, you know, he's in this book right here. It'll go something like that. And by the way, this is a, a grace judgment. This is, you can't earn this. You can't work your way for this. You can't, you can't go to church enough. You can't sing enough worship songs. You can't give enough. You can't get baptized enough. This is all about Jesus. This is all what Jesus did for you. It's all him. And if you give your life to follow him, then he erases all the other books. For me, it's probably like, like, an Encyclopedia Britannica collection of books, right? Of stuff that I've done. Some of you have no idea what that is. Young kids. And here's what you might ask though. Colby, well, how do I make sure, right? How do I make sure my, my name's in the book that matters? The one that counts. Jesus himself talks about it in Matthew 7, probably the scariest verse in the Bible. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. In other words, that's, that's gonna be a problem for some. But only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, we went to church a lot. We, we did some, some singing a lot. We, uh, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons. We, we performed miracles. In other words, we looked the part on the outside. We had that down. But Jesus says, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me you evildoers. That's why we say the first thing we want you to do is to know God. So he doesn't say, I never knew you. We want you to know God. In fact, that word knew in the Greek that he uses is the word gnosko, which means I knew him, I knew him here. It wasn't just that I knew about God. It wasn't a head knowledge. It was more this, this heart knowledge. It was a personal, I knew him. I loved him. He was my, he was my priority relationship in my life. That's what it means. I, I knew who he 
was. And some of you, you need to do that today. You need to nail that down. You need to get that right. Otherwise, you're gonna pay for your sin and that would be a tragedy since it's already been paid for. It's already been paid for. And then when you answer that correctly, then you're invited into heaven. So really that first judgment is really determines your eternal destiny, but the second judgment is different. Second question on the test is, is different. In theology, this is called the judgment seat of Christ or the, the Bema seat, and this is a very different type of judgment. This is for those who, who go to heaven. This does not determine your, your eternal destiny. This is not a grace judgment, but this is a works judgment. This one is all about how you lived your life while you were on this earth. And I don't know exactly how this is gonna be worded, but it's gonna be worded something like this. What did you do with what I gave you? The first one, what did you do with Jesus? What did you do with my son who I sent to the earth? The second one is, now what did you do with everything that I gave you? And since you and I are gonna have to answer that question one day, I have a responsibility to help us answer it well, to help us answer it correctly because once you're invited into heaven, 2 Corinthians 5.10 says this, for we must all, that's all of us, all Christians, all followers of Jesus, appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one of us may receive, we're gonna get something that is due to us for the things done in the body. In other words, for the things done here on this earth, whether good or bad. Wait, 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 Colby, you mean to tell me at that moment I'm gonna get something? Yes, Yes, you are. In fact, the word for this is the word apodidomai, which literally means he wants to pay you back. He wants to pay you back for the things that you've done on earth in the body, that he wants to bless you back for the way that you lived your life. And Jesus is so excited about this. Um, the Bible says that he's coming again. Time and time, we're told he's coming again. I was hoping it was gonna be before the last election, but that didn't happen. He's coming again. And it says he's bringing, he's bringing stuff with him. I don't know what this looks like, but the Bible says he's bringing rewards with him. Our God is a rewarder. He wants to pay you back. There are dozens of verses about this, but here's one, Matthew 16, 27. Jesus himself said, for the son of man is going to come in his father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done. Now, this is where a lot of us get confused, right? Because on one hand, you say, Colby, you talk a lot about this is grace and this is free and it's all Jesus, you know? But on the other hand, there's these verses about, you know, works and how my life, how I live my life matters. Yes, not for heaven, not for heaven. You cannot earn that. That's all Jesus, that's all grace. Somebody say amen to that, that's good. You cannot earn that. But once you're in heaven, how you lived your life matters. It matters. So live it in such a way that your life lives on. And on that day, you're gonna be asked that question. And I'm praying that we can respond something like this. I lived my life in such a way that my life wasn't about my life. I lived my life in such a way that my life wasn't just about my life. Now, listen closely, before, before Jesus, your whole life is about finding Jesus. 
It needs to be about finding Jesus. Maybe you're just trying to check this thing out. Maybe you're just coming to church. You're kicking the tires. You're not really sure what to do with any of that. That's okay. That's fine. I'm so glad that you're here. I really am. Like this church was created largely in part for you. Before Jesus, your whole life is about searching for him and, and finding him. The Bible says that when you, when you seek him, you're going to find him. You seek him with all your heart. So you don't have to end up paying for your own sins. Please don't do that. But once you find him, once you know who Jesus is, now the rest of your life is all about making a difference, about living your life in such a way that your life lives on, like trying to find out how it is you can take the short life that we have and live it in such a way that makes a difference. And because there are tons of verses about this, literally, it's why we're dedicating a series to it. Like, it hasn't even started yet, really. Like, I'm already pumped up for it. It hasn't even started. It's gonna start in a couple weeks, and I'm excited now. We're gonna talk about how we as a church can do all we can do with all that we have until Jesus runs this town. Now, let me show you something interesting tonight that I think is gonna help us um, live this way. Ecclesiastes 3 says this. He, meaning God, has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. In other words, God has put inside of each one of us this idea of eternity. That's why you and I, we can't help to think about what happens when we die. Like we can't help to think about the afterlife. We can't help to think, you know, like what's gonna happen next. This is why you can go to remote parts of the world where there's never been any kind of organized religion and you'll find people worshiping. Because there's something inside of us that's, that's longing for this idea of eternity. The Bible says that God placed that inside of our heart. And unfortunately, because, because we have that, many of us have that, that drive and we don't know what to do with it. Most people live their life spontaneously, live their life intuitively, live their life impulsively, not on point, not on purpose. And that's crazy in light of the fact that you and I are gonna stand before God one day and have to answer the two-question test. So let's live it well. Let's decide we're gonna live it well. Like if, it's a, if a 2.0 gets me in, let's do a little bit better than that. Let's do better than Colby did in college, all right? Let's do a little bit better. So in order to do that, I'm gonna give you three things tonight, and I'll be done. Three things in order to live a life on point and on purpose. The first is this, I will give purposefully. I'll give purposefully what I have. I'm not asking you to give what you don't have. You can't give what you don't have. In fact, God doesn't hold you accountable for what you don't have. He holds you accountable for what you do have. And again, please hear me. I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about, I'm talking about you. I'm talking about all of you. Like, like you have breath Encourage someone. Tell someone about Jesus. You know, tell someone that you, you love them. You got, you got arms? Hug somebody. You got thumbs? Text somebody. You know, encouragement. Like, what's up, boy? What's up, girl? You know, do something. Like, you got, you got hands? Like, do something. Make a difference. Make a difference. Think about all the stuff that we have, all the resources and technology that we have. With that comes responsibility. We got a responsibility to have the greatest impact in the kingdom for God while we're on this earth. So we have stuff. 
So commit to say, hey, whatever I have, I'm gonna give it purposefully and generously. And the reality is, is you got stuff. Like you're rich. Maybe you don't feel that way, but the very fact that you live in the United States of America means you're rich. You're in the top, you know, 5% of the most wealthy people on all of the earth. We're rich. We live in Erie, Pennsylvania. We're, we're rich. 2 Corinthians 9.11 says this, you will be made rich in every single way. God makes you rich in encouragement. He makes you rich in your smiles. He makes you rich in potential, in opportunities, in your, in your money, in your home, in your cars, in your resources, you know, in your abilities, in our families. God has blessed us. Why has he done that? It says right here, so that you can be generous on every occasion. That's why. And I'm not talking about, again, what you don't have, I'm talking about just what you do have. And it says this, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. In other words, God has given to you so that you can point people to him. So you say, Colby, what does that look like? What does it look like to give purposefully? Well, first, I would tell you this, become a percentage giver. A purposeful giver is a percentage giver. Now listen, listen. We will never pressure you. I refuse to mess with you or manipulate you. I refuse to show, you know, sad videos of Tammy Faye Baker in Africa where it looks like she got hit in the face with a paintball gun, right? And she's crying. And some of you not, have no idea who that is, right? And that's fine. You're better off for that. You're better off for that. I refuse to do that. I would just say this, and I'm gonna tell you this, not, not to brag, not to boast, but I'll tell you this, every, every year since we planted this church, Kristen and I, like a percentage giver, you know, that tithe, that's 10%. That's what tithe means, that's 10. That's the baseline. And every year, Kristen and I have given an extra percent since we've launched. So now we're up to 14%. And the only reason I tell you that is because I can't lead you someplace and I'm not willing to go myself. I can't do that. So I'm just asking you, just, again, I refuse to mess with you or manipulate you. Just pray. All we ask you to do is pray, seek God, ask God, what is it that you would have me give? You, you decide, you plan what you give. Like, don't be a spontaneous, you know, giver. Like, what do I got today at the end of the month? What do I got today? Don't, don't do that. Don't let that characterize your giving. Sometimes you, you might need to do that, right? Sometimes God might put it on your heart for you to give an offering to in the moment, and that's great. Just don't let that become your habit in giving. Be purposeful in that. Be purposeful in that. Now we're going to do one big above and beyond offering every single year. And it's going to be called our Until Jesus Runs This Town offering. And I'm telling you this now, again, not to manipulate you, but so you got some time. You got some time to pray about it, see God about it. It's not happening today. It's not happening next week. It's going to happen five weeks from now. Five weeks from now, and everything that comes in is going to help, is gonna to go to fund that mission and that vision that God's put on our heart. And I can't wait in December to start sharing with you, you know, what I believe God is calling us to do. It's gonna be awesome. So listen, you just, you do whatever you wanna do, and that's fine. Anything that you bring on that day is gonna go, we're just gonna make a difference in our community. We're gonna live a life beyond our life. No pressure, no pressure. You just decide, and we'll make a difference. We always say that this church is never going to outpace your generosity. So whatever comes in, we're just gonna use that to make the greatest impact that we can. But be purposeful. 
Be a purposeful giver. Pray, seek, ask God, set aside what you can. The second thing is this, serve faithfully. Someone who's gonna live on point and on purpose, someone who understands that their life matters, what they do on this earth matters, is someone who serves faithfully. Now, some of you just wanna say this, you're new to the church, and that's okay. Like, you, you, you got permission to sit back, catch your breath, chill out, do whatever you want. You know, catch your breath from what the world has thrown at you. Maybe you've been beat up. You know, you got permission to sit back and relax. Maybe you've come from another church where you've had, you know, a bad experience. I don't know. That's fine. But for those of you that have been around for any amount of time, with all due respect, it's time to get in the game. Like, it's time to get in the game. It's time to get on a team. It's time to say, all right, put me in, coach. I'm gonna make a difference. I'm gonna live on point and on purpose. You say, why, Colby, why would, I, why would I do something like that? Here's why. Jesus asks you to. This is what it says in Matthew 20, 26. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Find a place and serve faithfully. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. This is the model that Jesus set up for us. Well, how do I do that? I'm glad you asked. Like, join a team. Get on a serve team. You know, find your, find your place. You know, help, help park some cars in the parking lot. And nobody wants to do that now that it's starting to snow outside. That's fine. Like, make some coffee. Jump in our kids' area, right? Greet people at the door. Like, just do something. Lead a small group. Like I said, we got 30-plus groups are meeting around the city. Like, we need more leaders who want to lead groups. Do something with your life that lives on. Like, ask anyone that serves. Like, tonight, grab somebody. Ask them if, you know, anyone that serves. They will tell you that serving has stretched their faith, has challenged them more than anything else. Now, you guys know we're getting ready to do five Christmas services, and we're gonna see literally thousands, plural, of people come through these doors and experience our, our Gem City Christmas. And the reality is you're needed. You're needed. It's a great time to step up and a great time to start diving in and serve. How do I do that? Man, just stop at the hub when you leave today and look for Matt McGreevy. Just say, Matt, hook me up, and he'll put you on a team. Serve faithfully. The last one is this, and this is my favorite. Share Jesus relentlessly. Share Jesus relentlessly. A lot, of, a lot of Sundays that we do around here are about you. With good reason. We go through stuff. We have issues, you know, we're trying to work through. A lot of these are about growing you. But here's what I'm asking you to do. At least three Sundays out of, out of the year, three out of 52. Like you need to know what it's like to bring someone who's unchurched, an unchurched friend, and have them sit next to you in church. At least three out of the 52. Commit to doing that. Every single week, someone will grab me in the lobby and they'll, they'll run up to me, Pastor Colby, Pastor Colby, their eyes will be real big. You know, my friend's coming today. My friend's coming today. I'm so excited. I've been inviting him for, for weeks, or maybe it's been months, or maybe it's been years, and they're like, man, I can't wait. I finally have got him to come and check it out. And then they'll look at me, and they'll say, so don't screw it up. <laughs> like, don't blow it, right? And I'll be like, I'll try not to. I'll do my best. But can I tell you something? 
The day you invite someone, this unchurched friend, they come and sit with you in church and they experience, you know, all this. It's gonna be your favorite Sunday ever. Because that moment comes where, you know, we give an invitation and that's just something God's called me to do every single week. We just put it out there. I'm just gonna be faithful in doing that. Giving people an opportunity to receive Jesus. Giving people an opportunity to say, you know what? Jesus paid for my sin already. Why am I gonna pay for it? I'm gonna gonna receive that payment. I'm gonna give an opportunity every single week. And when I do, we say every head bowed, every eyes closed. And your unchurched friend is sitting there and your eyes aren't closed, you're peeking. You wanna see what's gonna happen. It's gonna be your favorite Sunday here. You know why? Because when their hand goes up and you see tears going down their face, like life change is happening, you're going to know that you had a part to play in that. Like you didn't have the major role. I get it. You know, the Holy Spirit, you know, leads people to all that. And God does that. I get it. I get it. But you had a part to play. Like you invited them to church. You invited them to experience that. It's going to be your favorite Sunday that you've ever had in this church. Why would we do that? Let me show it to you. Here's here's why. It says this in 2 Corinthians 5.20. We are Christ's ambassadors. Check it out. God is making his appeal through us. Like through you. Like there's no plan B. There's no other option. You know, it's, it's you. It's your responsibility. You are God's plan to reach your city, your God's plan to reach your family, your God's plan to reach your friends who don't know who God is. He's making his appeal through you. So what do we do? What do we do? This is what Jesus said. Go everywhere in the world and tell the good news to everyone. This church is on a mission to reach people who are far from God and to see them reach their full potential in Christ. We're gonna tell as many people as we can Over the next month, starting in December, we're gonna talk about how we're going to get there and how God is using us to reach people. And you say, why, Colby, why all of this? Like, why, what's the point of of giving purposefully? What's the point of serving, you know, faithfully? What's the point of sharing relentlessly? Here's why. I love this verse. I love, I love this verse. This is the Apostle Paul talking to this young pastor in the faith, Timothy, And this is what he says, hey, Timothy, command those. It doesn't say suggested. It says, command those who are rich in this present world, in this present world. You mean, Colby, there's another world? Yeah, there's another world. In fact, there's an eternity that's gonna be the majority of your life. You're gonna be spent there. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good. Church, do good. Be rich in good deeds and be generous and willing to share. Why? Because in this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that you may take hold of the life that is truly life. Like if you haven't heard anything up to this point, here's what you need to remember. There's more to this life than just this life. There's more to this life than just this life. So live your life in such a way that it lives on, that it lives on. 
Now, some of you, I realize maybe you came through these doors tonight and you're far from God. And the most important thing you need to do is you need to realize that God so loves you that he paid a price for our sin, for my sin through his son, Jesus on the cross. Like, like today, the first step you need to take is you need to receive that payment. Please don't pay for your own sins. It'd be tragic since they've already been paid for. But others of you in this room, man, you know that you haven't been living on point and on purpose. That God's called you, God's done something in your life, and you've just been kind of wandering through life, just kind of aimlessly, spontaneously, intuitively, impulsively, not on point. And today, maybe God is calling you back to focus on what it is that he's created you for. Or maybe you don't know. Maybe this is an opportunity for you to ask God, God, why am I here? Like, why am I on this earth? What difference can I make? So let's do this. Let's take a moment. If you bow your head, close your eyes. And not everybody moving around or trying to figure out how do I get out of here fastest. But I'd ask you this. I don't know what your journey is like with God. But why don't you just take a moment just to, maybe you haven't prayed in years. Just throw up a prayer. Say, God, what is it that you're saying to me? And then just listen. Just listen. Some of you today, the reality is if you were to stand before God, you're not quite sure how you'd answer that test. You don't know how you'd respond to that question. What did you do with Jesus? And I wanna help you with that tonight. I wanna help you answer that well. Because here's what I know. The good news of the gospel is this, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would call on his name would believe in him, would not perish but have eternal life, that, that, that you're having eternity now in heaven. So tonight, some of you, you need to make sure that you've got that one nailed down, that that's the first one. In a moment, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to pray that, that prayer with me. Prayer is not, it's not a magic prayer. In fact, the most important part about the prayer is that you just believe it in your heart. The Bible says as we confess Jesus as Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, that we would be saved, that your eternity in heaven is secure. I mean, that's a great place to start. Some of you, you need to start there tonight. Others of you, man, you just need to ask God, God, what is it that you want me to do with what you've given me? What difference can I make? How am I gonna live my life in such a way that my life's gonna live on long after I'm gone? Because I wanna make a difference in this life and in the life to come. So with every head bowed, every eyes closed, if that's you today, you'd say, Colby, you know what? I'm gonna nail this down. I'm gonna get this right. I'm gonna surrender my life. I know Jesus paid for my sin. I'm gonna receive that payment tonight. When you pray that prayer, would you pray with me? Colby, would you pray with me? If that's you tonight, you'd say, Colby, I'll, I'll count me in on that prayer. Would you just slip up your hand wherever you are in this room? Just, just hold it up. Just hold it up and say, Colby, when you pray that tonight, count me in on that. That's awesome, man. God bless you, brother. That's so good. That's so good. You're not gonna be alone. Praise God for you. Awesome, awesome. You can put your hand down. Just pray this. Just whisper it in your heart. God knows. God hears. Jesus, tonight, I received that price that you paid for my sin. 
I want to say thank you for dying for me. Thank you for forgiving me. And tonight I confess you as Lord and Savior. And I believe that you died on the cross for my sin and that God raised you to life in three days so I too could be raised to new life in Christ. I confess you as Lord. Just tell him that again. Jesus, you're Lord of my life. And from this moment on, I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, celebrate tonight with those that made that decision. We're always encouraged to know that God is using Elevate to bless people's lives. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, share your story online at elevateerie.tv.